1: Good morning, my name is Randy, I'm one of the pastors here at New Hope. I'd like to start off by saying, Happy Mother's Day. Now let's talk about adultery. Tell you what, (laughs) the irony of talking about adultery on Mother's Day has not been lost on me. Um... I do take some solace in the fact that we're not actually talking about adultery. We're talking about don't commit adultery. So uh, there's at least a little bit out there. I uh, talked to Zach early in the week. I said, hey, why don't you get this Sunday? And he said, what are you nuts? (laughs) So we're working our way through... Jesus' words, and here in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, Jesus is talking about kind of an update, a a current contemporary for him application of the Ten Commandments, and he comes to the Seventh Commandment. Let's read his words. Matthew chapter 5, verse 27. You've heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you, anyone who looks on a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So, if your eye, your your good eye, your right eye, causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your, your hand, your right hand, your good hand causes you to stumble, cut it
0: off, throw it away.
1: It's better for you to lose
0: one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Wow, what a
1: wonderful light conversation to have on Mother's Day, right? Now, Jesus lists the seventh commandment. That seventh commandment is don't commit adultery. This is a very serious commandment. It's one of the few commandments in the list of ten that was actually, in the rest of the Old Testament, punishable. It was punishable by death. If they would catch a man or a woman uh, in the act of adultery, they could take them outside the city gate and stoned them until they were dead. That seems to me to be pretty serious. But Jesus looks at the seventh commandment, and essentially he's saying, take a look at these commandments. They are interconnected. Because as soon as he says, you've heard that it was said, don't commit adultery, But I say that if you look at a woman to covet that woman with lust in your heart, it's as if you had already committed adultery with her. Now the word for coveting is a word that occurs 16 times in the New Testament. This is the only one of those 16 times that it's translated by the word lust. Everywhere else, it's translated by either covet or
0: desire. That's
1: the 10th commandment. The 10th commandment says, don't covet. Jesus says,
0: Now, you've heard people focus on adultery, but
1: let me tell you something. These commandments are interconnected. If you commit adultery, you are already guilty of coveting because you've looked on that woman with lust, with desire, with coveting in your heart. That's what this passage is really about. It's it's coveting It's wanting something that we don't have. So let's go back to the 10th commandment. We're going to look here at Exodus chapter 20, verse 17. The 10th commandment says, You must not covet your neighbor's house. And you must not covet your neighbor's wife. Or his male or female servant. His ox his donkey or his Lexus or anything else that belongs to your neighbor.
0: In the world that we live in, coveting is everywhere. You can't
1: turn on TV without seeing a commercial that is there to tell you that if you only had this car, Things would be so much better for you. If I only had this set of clothes, it would be so much greater. If you just used this toothpaste, your life would be so much easier. We're taught to covet. We open up a magazine. What do we see? We see page-full advertisements telling us what we don't have and what we need, what we must get. Now it's interesting. Apparently for Jesus, coveting is very serious, almost as serious as adultery. Now adultery had a punishment in the Old Testament. It was punishable by death. Jesus comes here. And he says, if you covet, society might not punish you for that. But you should punish yourself. So if your eye makes you covet, pluck it out, throw it away. If your hand
0: makes you covet, cut it off, throw it away.
1: Jesus says, okay, adultery is punishable by death. Let coveting be punishable by dismemberment. My blindness. Apparently, this is serious for Jesus. Now, take a look at his words again. He says, if your right eye causes you to stumble, or if your right hand causes you to stumble, the Greek word that's used there is, Scandalos. We get the word scandal from it. If your right eye causes a scandal for you, if your right hand causes a scandal for you. Now we might understand what scandal is, but back in Jesus' day, it was not what you think it is. Scandal comes to us from the hunting world. A scandalos is one. Of the sticks that's used in a deadfall trap, you'd take a good heavy stone, you'd prop it up with the stick. This is a figure four deadfall. There's also direct deadfalls and broken stick deadfalls. In some way, shape, or form, bait is attached to the scandolas, and when the animal comes up and eats the bait, the stick breaks. The rock falls, and you've got lunch.
0: What Jesus is saying is coveting is bait. It
1: leads to something worse. Coveting is a desire that we have. They are a trap for us. They can cause us to fall away. That's why it's so serious. That's why Jesus says, even if we don't take a person who covets outside the city gates and stone them to death, there should be a punishment. Pluck your eye out. Cut your hand off. It's that serious. It's a desire. it's, It's a barrier to following God. And because of that, we must protect ourselves from the coveting that can take place. So what are things that we covet? I've been thinking about this 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 week, and it seems to me that there are three things that we typically covet. First of all, we covet what someone else is. But we can also covet what someone else has. And here in this Passage. Jesus says we can covet another person's relationships.
0: In the world that we live in, we are constantly taught to compare ourselves
1: with other people. People around us do it, they offer their opinions. Of how we're doing in relationship to other people, just in case we weren't already obsessed with thinking about that. We get social media and we get onto social media, and although it may not have been created for this, one of the byproducts of social media is a constant comparison with other people. Friend of ours goes out, they'll go out to a nice meal, they'll take a picture of what they're eating. And we're sitting at home with our peanut butter and jelly sandwich looking at that, looking at the picture saying, oh my, wouldn't that be nice? Or they get all dolled up to go out. They get dressed up, dressed to the nines. They'll take a picture of themselves to show just how beautiful they actually are. And we pull that up on our social media and we think,
0: wow. I don't look like that. We're taught to compare ourselves with other people.
1: To long for what that other person has. Well, guess what? People put the best moments of their lives on social media. They send out the picture of themselves all dressed up. Not the way they look when they're getting ready to scrub the bathroom floors. They put a picture of that steak dinner out on social media, not the bowl of ramen that they're getting ready to eat because that was quick, down, and dirty. They put the best moments of their lives out there. But life is not a link of best moment after best moment.
0: There are problems. There are hard times. We have to live through the hard times. I suppose
1: what I'm saying here is that if we do want to learn how to live, love, and go like Jesus, we have to learn to be content
0: with the way God created us. Maybe he didn't make us as beautiful
1: as we think someone else is. It's okay. Maybe he didn't make us with the gifts. Oh, if only I had the business sense that whoever
0: has over there. God didn't make me that way. But
1: you know what? God made you the way you are for a specific purpose. The key to life is not becoming like somebody else. The key to life is finding the purpose for which God has created you and then living in that purpose. We have to learn how to be content with who God created us to be. Secondly, we covet what other people have. We're barraged constantly. I'll... I'll, I'll be honest with you, I struggle with this. I drive a Prius and I look at those car commercials (laughs) and I think, wow, wouldn't that be cool? Gee whiz. The lady sitting in the middle of a high school band playing also Spraxarastustra who slowly rolls up her windows to drown out the noise and turns on the CD player with the symphony playing it. And I think, oh,
0: it's easy to do, isn't it?
1: The common way that people gain what others have is by incurring debt. We don't have enough money for it, so we'll go out and we'll get money for it. Uh, Last year. A news platform reported on debt. It is creeping up. They reported on debt by age, and you can see here uh, from Gen Z to, to baby boomers.
0: That's a lot of money. That's a huge amount of debt. Gen Z is typically still living at home. They still almost have $10,000 worth of debt. Baby boomers are retiring, and
1: they on an average have $100,000 worth of debt. Same news platform lists the debt by category. The average American carries over $8,000 of credit card debt. Now, some of this debt is reasonable. A mortgage, you are buying a piece of property whose value should increase. It's reasonable to incur debt for that. The average is close to a quarter of a million dollars worth of debt. Student loans. You're acquiring debt to gain a skill that you can later use to get a good job. That's reasonable. But a second
0: mortgage, a second mortgage takes
1: the equity that you have built up in your house and borrows against that. An average of $50,000. That money is typically used to buy things that we don't have. Things that we wish we had. It's typically used.
0: For coveting, for lusting after things, auto loans, even credit cards, an average
1: of $8,000 in credit card debt. We've got to learn to live within our means. We want something, we save up for it. Don't incur debt for it, a good strategy is the 80 10 10 principle 80% of your current income you use for living expenses that would include things like like your mortgage things like your student loans utilities food entertainment 10% you save away for future expenses, whether that's by building up an emergency fund that you can access later when an unexpected expense comes up, or maybe you put it away in a 401K,
0: save it for retirement. The final 10%, you
1: give it away. Throughout the New Testament, you see commandment after commandment to be generous. Here's a great way to be generous. Take 10% of your money. Give it away. Be generous with it. But no matter what strategy we use to control our expenses, we have to recognize that what Jesus is talking about here is a heart issue.
0: To live, love, and go like Jesus, we have to learn to be content with what God has
1: given us. There's one more area. This whole passage started with Jesus talking about adultery, about coveting a person who belongs to someone else. Someone else's spouse could apply to someone else's
0: friend. Old
1: passage starts with the idea of adultery. What happens When you're not content with the person that God has given you.
0: With the spouse that God has given you. Typically we call this jealousy or envy. I want what you have. I want who you have. To live, love, and go like Jesus, we must learn to be content with the person that God has given you.
1: Now, I understand. We live in a broken world. We live in a very broken world. And not all relationships grow in a positive way. There are times when relationships break down. There are times when one spouse or sometimes even both spouses
0: exploit their partner. Abuse their partner. Even betray their partner by committing adultery. What do you do when things break
1: down? Well, we're going to talk about that next week. Jesus goes on talking about divorce. Uh, We're going to talk about divorce next week. It is simply a reality that we live with. So it's probably good that we talk about it and figure out what Jesus has to say about it. For this week, let's stick with the topic of of coveting. Let's let's go back to what Jesus did. He started out the whole passage saying, uh, you've heard that it was said, don't commit adultery. I'll say, don't even covet. I'll say that adultery starts when there is a desire. In your heart. You see what society does. Society looks at the external acts. Society sees the external acts like adultery, like murder, like theft. And society says those things are very wrong and those things are punishable. But who tells you when you're coveting? That's not something society can see. Only you can see that. Jesus says, since you can see that, treat it as a serious issue. Don't wait for the external act to take place, murder or adultery or theft. Deal with it when it's still a thought, still a desire, still an act of coveting. It's like Jesus was saying, a lot of people believe that everything up to adultery is okay.
0: Just don't cross that line. Jesus says, no.
1: Everything up to adultery is not okay. Adultery starts with an inappropriate thought, a desire to have something that belongs to someone else.
0: it there. Don't act on it. Don't flirt.
1: Don't spend your time looking on the web at auto loan prices and the newest Lexus.
0: (laughs) Don't spend your time filling your head
1: with thoughts that actually, ultimately, become a barrier to you following the Lord because it places you under undue stress.
0: Say no. Recognize
1: that living the Christian life starts in the heart. Don't let the little things inside of you grow into the big things that you act on.
0: For us to live, love, and go like Jesus, we need to learn to be content. We need to learn that
1: what God has given us as an individual, the possessions that he's allowed us to acquire, those are all gifts
0: from him. They're good, and usually they're enough.
1: Be content with what you have. In this passage about coveting, Jesus talks about coveting possessions, talks about coveting position,
0: what someone else is, and how others view that person. And he talks about coveting passions, the person
1: that God has called into the life of the other. We've got to learn to be content with what God has given us. Thanks for tuning in to the New Hope Church podcast.